It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it, because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants Mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Lance Meadow with you. The phone number is 973-667-1960. You can also hit us up on Twitter at hashtag GiantsChat if you want to get in touch with us that way you can. And a reminder, as you hear the phone ring in the background, we only have one line, folks, because uh, we are still doing this on remote. So if you call and the line is busy, just keep trying to call back. And there will not be a call screener today. So if you're hearing the program over your phone, that means you are the only caller up. And we, when we come to you, that's you. And you can tell us who you are, where you're calling from, and we will go from there. Mr. Lance Meadow, how are you? Good morning, sir. Good morning to you. Good afternoon. Whatever time zone anybody is residing in right now, I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing all right, Lance. Doing all right. And just want to remind everybody that Big Blue Kickoff Live is part of the Giants Podcast Network, which is presented by Investors Bank. You can find the archive of all of our shows at Giants.com slash podcast, the Giants mobile app, and our favorite podcast platforms. So, Lance, Jeff and Paul took a lot of yesterday's show talking about the – playoff picture and things of that nature. Then we took some calls on the game. I think it's important for us to do kind of our takeaways from that game as we move forward here and we get ready uh, for the Cowboy game coming up this Sunday, which could be a win in your in game, depending on what happens on Sunday night football. You guys know the deal already. Giants need to beat Dallas. Philly needs to beat Washington. That's how the Giants get into the playoffs. So, uh, Lance, to me, I just think it was a really disappointing loss and it kind of followed a trend of the last three games where the Giants you know, have lost by significant margins. And it hasn't just been points, so you can point to, you know, red zone, third down, situational football, or turnovers. They've been outgained by more than 400 yards over the course of these last three games. And they've been down by two scores or more in the third quarter in all of these games. So they haven't necessarily been close. And I wrote this in cover three. I tweeted out earlier yesterday where you know everyone's talking about playoff machinations and everything. and Right now, Lance, I don't care about that because if the Giants don't start playing better football on all in all three phases of the game, offense, defense, and special teams, none of this is going to matter. None of these calculations matter. Sunday night football is not going to matter because the Giants aren't going to be Dallas. So they need to start playing better football for any of the stuff we're talking about to matter. Yeah, I've always emphasized this, John, and I know we've fielded calls over the weeks and they lay out all these different scenarios if this team loses. If you want to back your way into the playoffs, hey, that's fine. Personally, I'm a believer your team should be playing its best football as the playoffs start up. And right now the Giants are not playing their best football. You're not playing your best football when you score a combined 26 points in the last three games. And that's why, to your point, John, a lot of these last few contests have been lopsided because they've dug themselves in an early hole. They fell behind. Now, all of a sudden, they have to be very heavy on the passing game. They have to abandon the run. You're not a balanced offense. And the Giants right now are not built to have their quarterback throw 40-some-odd times. Number one, you put yourself at risk for more turnovers, which fortunately they avoided against the Ravens. But you just don't have the luxury of time. You can't put together a 10-play drive for 85 yards and run the ball seven of those 10 plays because you're milking too much clock. And that, unfortunately, has been the script that the Giants have followed. Then, with respect to their defense, you can't get off the field on third down. I mean, that, to me, was the most telling statistic, John. If you go back to Sunday's game against Baltimore, Baltimore was 8 of 11. Baltimore, on 10 of those 11 third downs, faced... Downs of four yards or less. Well, why was that, John? Because they were pounding the football so effectively on first and second down. They were getting these big chunks that they didn't have to all of a sudden dig deep into their bag of tricks to try to convert a third and 10 consistently or third and seven even on those third down scenarios. And that puts your defense in a very precarious spot. And the defense certainly takes responsibility for that. I don't think it was necessarily anything the offense did, but they ran the ball 40 times. So the volume jumps out. Baltimore is able to jump out to a lead and then ride what they have their identity based on, which is the run game. But 
let's take it a step further, John. 22 of the 40 runs were for five yards or more. And I know you're more of a 10-yard or more guy. I get that. But five yards or more, John, means that you're pretty much setting yourself up for half a first down that you have to complete if you get about five yards of carry. And they finish with over six yards of carry. So more than half of the runs put themselves in a situation where you not only have to get five more yards. I mean, that is a ridiculous number. And they had a few 10-yard runs or more too. So the inability to stop the run game put the Giants' defense in a position where there was no way they were going to get out of that, knowing that your offense has scored about 10 points. That's the barometer number in each of the last three games. And you can tell me all you want about the Cowboys' defense is not as good as Baltimore, and they're not as opportunistic, even though Dallas has been very effective in takeaways over the last few games. John, the bottom line is if the offense continues to score 7, 6, 13 points, it really doesn't make a difference who the opponent is. Yeah, and this was a different way for the defense to struggle. We haven't really seen a team just win against them at the line of scrimmage and pound it right down their throats the whole game. That's what Baltimore did. That's how they won this game. I know a lot of people on the post-game show, Lance, on Sunday called up, oh, they got to go get away from the zone defense and all this stuff. If you guys think the pass defense was the reason the Giants lost that game on Sunday, you weren't paying attention. <laughs> you just weren't. To your point, Lance, with the five-plus yard runs, how about this? The Giants did not have one play on defense for negative yardage. Yeah. They didn't have one tackle for loss or one sack. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. Crazy. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. So the Ravens were never put in um, into disadvantageous positions in terms of down and distance, and they were just able to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, whether it was Lamar Jackson or Gus Edwards or J.K. Dobbins, again and again and again. The Giants didn't have a pass breakup in the game, Lance. I've never seen a game where the team did not register a quarterback or uh, did not register a tackle for loss, a sack, or a pass breakup. I've never seen that before. They gave up 430 yards in the game. And the, I, I, I did a hit for one of our affiliates up in Syracuse uh, earlier today, and they kind of asked me, John, well, you know, what's been the difference between that winning streak that they had in the middle of the year and the three-game losing streak now? And... I got a little pushback on it, but I'll explain my point here. I said the difference is the defense. And they said, well, hold on a second. The team's not scoring points. You made that point too, Lance. And I said, no, 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 I understand. If you want to know what the biggest issue is with the team that they have to get fixed, it's the offense. But the difference is the defense played so well during that winning streak, it hid and covered up the problems with the offense. The offense didn't score a point in the first half against Seattle. They were shut out. Yeah, it was 6 nothing. 5. Right, wasn't no, five, it 5 excuse nothing? me. That's right. Yeah, the safety. Yeah, yeah. that stupid safety. <laughs> that's true. So <laughs> they were in that game because of the defense. If Seattle makes a couple more plays and they're up 17 nothing at halftime instead of 5 nothing, guess what? That game follows the same exact script as the last three. They didn't score a lot of points against Washington. They didn't score a lot of points against Philadelphia. They didn't score a lot of points against Cincinnati. But the defense kept the offense in the game, to, you, to your point, so they didn't become one-dimensional. And they also forced takeaways. Yeah, that's the big Which key. put the offense into positions. I don't remember the number. I did it a couple weeks ago. Almost half the Giants' points during that winning streak were points scored off of turnovers. That's a huge difference. They're not getting those now, which is why... To your point, Lance, we say this all the time, right? You can't rely on takeaways to win games because they're fluky, and it's something that's not reliable game to game. Well, that's what we're seeing these last three games. So I'm not blaming the defense. The defense can only do so much when your offense, to your point, Lance, has scored two touchdowns in three weeks. It's hard to win games that way. But they were winning games because of the defense before, and frankly, because the competition's gotten a lot better. That Seattle game pushed aside. That, I think, is the anomaly in the conversation. They have not been able to do that the past three weeks. And frankly, that's not a sustainable way to do things over a long period of time, which is what we tried to, I think, point out on this program. And some fans gave us some pushback on that. But we were trying to say that winning that way might not be sustainable, and it's proven not to be. So we'll see if they can turn the ball over more, uh, make some more plays on defense, score some more points on offense against one of the weaker defenses they faced all year. And we'll see if they can change the pattern here. But those things are what has to change if the Giants want to beat Dallas this week. And it really is that simple. 
Well, also keep in mind, remember, it was the Cowboys that scored a season-high 37 points against the Giants. And that was the most points that the Giants have allowed. Now, granted, both of these teams have changed since that early season game in terms of personnel. Dallas, you can argue, is starting to play much better football because they're protecting the ball on offense, which had been an issue early in the season. So, you know, I don't know how much we could take away from that, but Dallas is more than capable of putting points on the board compared to the Giants. I wholeheartedly agree with you, John, and I even brought that up on the Giants Radio Network postgame show that the takeaways was a huge difference maker during the four-game win streak because, I mean, look at the numbers here just to expand upon your point. They played Washington in Week 9. John, they had five takeaways in that game. Peppers had a fumble recovery. Harper had a fumble recovery. Martinez an interception. Peppers an interception. Logan Ryan an interception. If you remember, the Giants only won that game by three points. Yeah, Lance, Alex I'll, Smith yeah. right, was picked off on each of the last two drives when Washington had an opportunity for, at worst, a game-tying field goal. Yeah, send it to overtime. I want to reinforce that for a second. I had Kyler Fackrell on the Giants huddle, which you guys should go check out. We have a lot of great episodes up there. And he actually, I didn't even ask him the question. And I asked him a generic question about takeaways, and he goes, yeah, you know, by the way, we turned over Washington five times in that game. We expect to win a game where you win the turnover battle by five by a lot more than three points. So that's not just us saying that. That's the damn player saying that, okay? <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Well, that's why you have to look at the fact that even the players understand takeaways come in bunches. You don't just sign up and you say, oh, today we're going to get two takeaways. We're going to start with two takeaways. It'll be a bonus if we get three or four. It doesn't work that way. So there's no doubt about it. So that game jumps out to me. They had five. Okay, the Eagles game was even. Both teams played clean football. The Giants defense was able to come through with big stop after big stop. The Eagles did not convert one third down. Okay, so that's a game that I don't think they were necessarily covering up any issues, John. Then you go to the Bengals game. Bengals game, they had three takeaways. Remember, Cincinnati had a kickoff return for a touchdown, and then Alex Erickson returns a punt right at midfield. All the Bengals have to do now is get 20 yards, and then Randy Bullock could come out and kick a game-winning field goal. Jabal Sheard comes through with the strip sack, game over. Huge play, huge turning point. It took that to seal up that game. And then the Seahawks game, well, they got two takeaways in that game. They were able to get a Nico Lelos fumble recovery and the Darnay Holmes interception. And to your point, you mentioned they didn't score any points in the first half, but they were able to really turn it up a notch in the second half, run the ball effectively because the game was close, and grind out a five-point win in which Russell Wilson had the ball late in the game, and they were unable to convert a first down because of the good coverage on the back end. So the Washington win and the Seattle win, to me, along with the Bengals win, John, was walking that fine line of... You don't get an extra takeaway. You don't get an extra stop. That could have easily been switched over to a loss as opposed to a W. 100%. Look, I'm with you, 100%. And the defense hasn't taken the ball away nearly as much the last three games. I know you tracked that. Unless, what, do they have one takeaway in the last three games? In terms of the last three games, correct, one. And that was against Baltimore. And that was only because Lamar Jackson could not handle the snap. And that was when the game was virtually over. Correct. So, guys... They're a big deal. Uh, they're somewhat random, and it's, it's kind of boring to talk about them, but they're a big deal. Here's the other thing I'll say, Lance, and I think, uh, and then we'll get to your calls. I already have somebody on hold here. The thing that's most important for me, for the Giants heading into this week against Dallas, and you can put this on the offense to score more points early, or you can put it on the defense for getting stops early. However you want to look at it, I don't care. The Giants cannot be trailing by two scores at halftime of this game. If they are, they're going to lose. Because... Say what you want about the Cowboys' defense, and it's problematic. They have become a lot of big plays. They can't stop the run. Go down the line. They're bad, all right? <laughs> this last game against Philly, it set, a fran it set a record in the matchup between those two teams for most total yards gained in a game. What was it, 960-something or something like that? It was like a lot, that? yes. It was a lot. <laughs> so they're going to give up yards. But if the Giants go down two scores heading into the second half again in this game, the one thing the Cowboys can do is rush the passer. Demarcus Lawrence is a good football player. Randy Gregory, since he's come back, has Played been very an well. excellent yeah. pass rusher. And then thrown Alden Smith. And then you have the blitzers that they use on the second level, Jalen Smith, all those guys. So if you let the Cowboys, when they go up a couple scores here, you don't have to worry about their run defense, which has been suspect this year. They've given up more than 200 rushing yards multiple times this year. And you have to throw it against them. The same thing that happened to the Giants' offensive line in the second half against Arizona and in the second half against Baltimore is going to happen again, and you're going to lose the football game. 
Jalance, you got to be within one score at halftime in this game. One where have or have the lead or, or just be down by one score or so, or this is not going to go well. Because if the Giants have to become one-dimensional again, they're going to lose. They cannot hold up in pass protection when the other team knows they're going to throw the football. Period. Stop. We it's it's, it's been proven too many times now for us to think otherwise. So it's really important for them to get off to a fast start here. They've gotten off to a horribly slow start their last three games, and it's a huge reason why they've lost those three games. They need to come out of the gates here and score some points early against Dallas or force a bunch of punts early against Dallas so they can be in this game and stick to their game plan. They have to. I don't care if if it's 27-24 at halftime or 6-3 at halftime. It just better be a one-score game or the second half could become problematic once again. Well, look at what has transpired during this three-game losing streak. You had 17 carries against the Cardinals. You had 21 against the Browns. You had 12 carries against Baltimore. Why do I bring up those numbers, John? Well, first of all, that's 21 or less carries in the last three games, two of which you didn't even get to 20 carries. Then you look at the four-game winning streak. These were the numbers in terms of the volume of runs. 35 against Washington, 36 against Philly, 42 against Cincy, 31 against Seattle. It's all about game flow. It's all about game flow. 100%, because the game was relatively close in all those contests. Now, in the Seattle game, even in the Cincinnati game, the scoring on offense wasn't overwhelming, but the game was within striking distance. So they didn't feel as if, okay, uh uh-oh, we've got to now make up for all of this lost time. Whereas the last three games, you're down double digits by halftime. If you don't take care of business on that opening drive at the beginning of the third quarter— All bets are off in terms of any plans of balance, any hope that you had in the second half. So, yeah, they've got to keep this game close because they have to be able to run the ball so it doesn't have to be a Daniel Jones drop back, try to survey the field. Because if that happens, this offensive line has had trouble being able to win the battles in the trenches. And as you brought up with the Dallas personnel, you you could argue with the way that the Dallas front is playing – some of these fronts are more effective than some of these other teams that they've even gone up against during the losing streak because of their ability to consistently get after the quarterback and do that not just in flashes but all throughout the course of the game. I think that's been a big turning point for the Dallas group this season. And then the other thing that has changed, as I mentioned, is the offense has done a good job protecting the football. So this Dallas defense, much different than the one that the Giants saw a few weeks ago, and then also Dallas is probably saying to itself, the offense is very different than the one that we went up against when we gave up 34 points because they clearly have not been scoring at the same rate. So it's really going to be interesting to see which team can hold up or which team can break out of some of the issues that they've been facing in recent games. Lance, I want to just read a quote from Joe Judge to reinforce, because, we, because we've talked about this a lot the last month about game flow and you know not getting behind and having to throw the ball. This is what Joe Judge said almost unasked on his conference call yesterday talking to the media. So this is what he said. I'd say the situation we have to keep ourselves out of is when you get behind and you're in that pass-only mentality. Well, now the defense can pin their ears back and really get you. If you kind of look at our past few games when the issues have come up in pass pro, it's really been in those situations. That's against Arizona, Cleveland again yesterday. When you get into that pass-heavy zone, when you're behind, that's when the defense can finally pin their ears back. But when you can stay balanced early on, whether it's run or pass, it is a draw-screen situation that make whatever may come up. That keeps the defense a little bit more honest. That's when our offensive line has really played its best. When you're getting blitz zero, three out of four plays, eventually someone's going to come free. We have to make sure we avoid hits on the quarterback. So he literally has said exactly what we've been saying these last three weeks, which is why the Giants have to stick to this situation where you run the ball more and you stay balanced. And the whole key to that is game flow. Lance, any other uh, tidbits you want to throw out there before we get to the calls here off the game or, or, or just heading into Dallas? Well, the only other thing I just wanted to add to what you just said, eight sacks for the Cardinals, six for the Ravens. Now, there was just one sack against Cleveland, but remember, that was because of the fact that Baker Mayfield was so effective in passing the football in which that game got out of hand, and then Cleveland was just obviously running the ball to milk the clock. But the point is, to further emphasize what Joe Judge is saying, 
you're giving then the opportunity for the defense to get extremely comfortable. And you're becoming predictable as an offense because they know that now you're just going to drop back and throw. 41 pass attempts for Daniel Jones against the Baltimore Ravens. Now, against the Arizona Cardinals, the two quarterbacks combined in that game, 24 pass attempts, and McCoy had 31 pass attempts against the Browns. Whereas you go back to the winning streak, once again, the numbers fluctuated, but... Never did you get the sense that the Giants' offense was predictable and the defense knew what was coming. Last few games, the defense knows what's coming when the Giants are down by double digits, and that's what they need to avoid against Dallas. And Lance, do you know how many first-half sacks the Cardinals and Ravens had in those two games? I do. Zero. All of their sacks came in the second halves of those When games. the game got out of hand. Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. You looked at the blitz rate, and I had this in my Cover 3 article too. I think the Ravens blitzed. Oh, boy, what was it? <sighs> Shoot, I don't have it in front of me. I think it was something like four out of 14 plays in the, or three out of 14 plays in the first half, and in the second half they blitzed on 60% of their plays. So their blitz rate nearly tripled from the first half to the second half because they knew the Giants were going to pass. It just really changes how these teams can go about their business. Well, remember, John, Baltimore had 11 quarterback hits. They had six sacks, but they had 11 quarterback hits. I mean, that's a very large volume that you're getting into Daniel Jones's face and you're making him think about it, that every time he gets the snap, watch out, somebody's coming. Even after he gets rid of the ball, they could very well register a hit. Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by the New York Lottery. The New York Lottery has released their seasonal scratch-off games. Once again, head to your nearest retailer for the chance to win up to $500,000. Please gift responsibly. All right, the phone number is 973-667-1960. We'll take calls the rest of the way here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. All right, let's go to our caller who's been holding since the start of the show. Caller, what's your name and where are you calling from? Hi, guys. It's Scott in New Mexico. Hey, Scotty. What's up? Hey, Scott. Uh, one point before I move on to Dallas in regards to the Baltimore game. It's not an aberration that Baltimore won that game. In 12 of the 15 games they've played, They've scored 24 points or more, so we're not the only ones that have not been able to stop Lamar well, Jackson. Well, they have the, the number one the point differential there. in the NFL. So, I mean, your point is well taken. They, they've been beating up a lot of teams. Absolutely. Right, and the last few games they've scored over 40 points. So the one thing I do agree with both of you on is that the Giants have become a little bit predictable. But the one constant that has remained in the five Giant wins is the ability to run the football. And right now, as a team, they're averaging 4.4 yards, which is not chump change. In the five wins that they had, they've averaged 156 yards. And they seem, for some reason, to abandon that. They did it in the first half of one of the games, and they didn't run very well. In the second game, they sort of exploded. So if they're having problems running the football, it's because I think they're giving up on it too soon. No, but and, Scott, they're uh, not. That, Scott, Scott, we've, we've tracked this. They have uh -huh. run the ball as much as they can, and, and they just haven't been able to stay on the field with, on third downs. They, they had three snaps in the first quarter against Baltimore. Three. Well, they, why they not change the uh, way they're running the football, John? Why not use a big, uh, maybe even a lineman uh, or, an, or the tight end sets that they were doing when they were running when they, they had did. 192 yards? They did. I mean, against, let me, which game was it? Against Cleveland, they, led, was, they led the league. They led the league that week in number of times they either used uh, 22 and 13 personnel. So two uh, fullback and two tight ends or three tight ends. They led the league against Cleveland that week. Right. And using that personnel. So they, they haven't given up on that. And by the way, when they did do that against Baltimore, Baltimore was putting nine or ten men in the box. So when that, when that occurs, wasn't it up to Jason Garrett to sort of switch around and say, let's do some short passes or get the backs out of the backfield and do screens and things like that well, against an eight or nine-man front? Scott, they tried. Here was the problem. All right, the first drive, they were in a third and seven, and they had two false starts, and they're in third and 17. Okay? Right. Drive over. The second drive, they get into a third and four. Austin Max wide open. He hits him in the he chest with the, the pass, and he drops it. it. And by the way... Once you get past those two drives, you're already down 17 nothing. Right. You, and you're down 17 nothing. So I don't know what they were supposed to do. And then the Giants kicked the field goal on their next drive. So that's just how the game went because they couldn't get stops early. Well, and then how about the drive, by the way, in the second half when it's first and 10 at the Baltimore 19? They do right. throw a screen pass, Scott, to Sterling Shepard. 
and Matt Judon makes a tremendous play, tackles him around the ankle, he loses five. Well, yeah. Then on the next play, Daniel Jones gets sacked, loses seven, and all of a sudden, first and 10 at the Baltimore 19, when you would think, okay, maybe now you should be able to run the football, becomes third and 22 at the Baltimore Correct. 31. So, no, you know, that to it. me is not play calling. That to me is the lack of execution up front to enable you to have chances to and, run and, the ball. And in by the way, on, on that screen pass, they had the blockers out in front of them. Lemieux and Andrew Thomas were double teaming Matthew Judon on that play, and he split the yeah. double team on the block. The play was right. there. It was a good play call. They, and they just didn't block it up. Tremendous effort so, play by Judon. So going into the Dallas game, and I'll, I'll get up there so we can take some more calls. No, no worries. Uh, Thank you, Scott. Uh, the one thing that I would like to see is a uh, better time of possession on the Giants' part. Yeah. What do the Giants need to do in order to establish that? So the only way they're going to beat Dallas, the way I look at it, is they have to control time of possession. And I, that's why I was uh, emphasizing the run and not giving up on it, because as I said, in the five wins, they, had, um, they were averaging 156 yards. That's what they're going to have to do. Scott, i got a question for you. Now, 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 you might have it in front of you, so I, I might be asking you a question of the answer. Do you know what their yards per carry were were in those wins as compared to the losses? Do you have no, I don't have that okay. information. I will check it. It's okay. Go ahead. Okay. So uh, what do you both envision? What are the, if the Giants can control time of possession, uh, I don't think the receivers that everybody was complaining about are that terrible uh, for the Giants. I think they can do the job. But what they have to be able to do is control the time of possession. So what do they have to do? Is it run more or is it pass more? Or is it simply diversifying and having uh, uh, the offensive coordinator think outside the box and change the whole dynamic of what they were doing, say, the last two weeks. And thanks, guys, and I'll take your thanks, answers. Thanks, Appreciate Hi, the call. Appreciate the phone call. I mean, I, I think it's a, it's a multi-layered question. I think running the ball successfully is a big part of that, and you should be able to do it against the Cowboy defense, Lance, frankly, that has been pretty terrible <laughs> stopping the run for most of the year. Uh, I think that's a big part of it, but it's also converting on third downs. Now, against Baltimore, their average third down was 12 yards. So if you're going to – I think they had one – I think they had three third-down conversions of less than 10 yards or th- conversion attempts of less than 10 yards the whole game. All their other third downs, I think it was nine of them or some crazy – Yeah, it like was that. three downs for six yards or less, yes. seven for 10 yeah. yards or more. Yeah, you aren't going to have much success doing that, right? <laughs> so uh, I think that's the key, right? And you're going to do better on your third downs if you run the ball better on early downs and, you know, use some play action, you know, use some screens. And I think they've done all that. But they just ha- something's gone wrong, and, and every game is different too, right, Lance? Some games you can't do well on early downs; you do bad on third downs. Against Cleveland, you actually did drive the ball a few times, but you couldn't finish in the red zone. So I think it's a different thing in a lot of these games that impacts it. But I, I think against Dallas, it is very important to run the ball well because, and frankly, make some chunk plays, man. I know people worry about the time of possession and everything. Do you know how you score points in this league, Lance? You make big plays. The Giants' offense has not made enough big plays, and the Cowboys' defense in the back end has been very leaky in terms of giving up big plays this year. Just look at the, the uh, Deshaun Jackson catch last week. Can we make a, pass, a few pass plays of 30 or more yards in this game? I mean, if you're going to do it, the time's now, right? Yeah, and then you also avoid having to convert in the red zone if you make those explosive plays and you get in the end zone that way, John, too. So, you know, that could be killing two birds with one stone. But, you know, remember, the time of possession conversation still is connected to the total points conversation, okay? You can milk the clock all you want. You can run the ball. But then what are you doing then when you have an opportunity to put the points on the board? Are you converting touchdowns? Are you settling for field goals? As good as the Giants' defense has been this season overall, I'm not talking about recent games, they're not pitching shutouts, John. So you can't expect your defense to take Andy Dalton and the Cowboys' offense and not give up anything. So the point is, if you put together three lengthy drives and the Giants settle for three field goals— which was sort of the debate that everybody was having in the Cleveland game. Well, if the Giants would have taken the field goals, it would have been a different game. Yeah, well, Cleveland then turned three of its drives into touchdowns. So do the math. (laughs) 21 points there, John, nine points there. How the hell are you winning a game? (laughs) You're not. You're not. My point, yeah, my point returns to the fact that that's great. You want to win time of possession against the Cowboys, more power to you. What does that time of possession equate to? Dallas is capable of scoring touchdowns. Can the Giants score at the same rate as Dallas when it comes to punching it in? That, to me, is what is going to separate this game on Sunday, regardless of time of possession. No, I'm with you 100%. And I'm looking here. I'm trying to bring up the game lock here for Daniel Jones. So, 
In terms of Scott's numbers, in terms of the rushing attack, yes, he's correct in terms of the yards. Here's the interesting thing, though, for those four games. A big part of Lance of the success in those games, if you go back to that winning streak, was Daniel Jones running the football. Sure. He ran for 74 yards in that win against Washington in Week 6. He ran for 64 yards against Philadelphia. And he ran um, for 92 yards against Philly. That was a loss. But a lot of those big run game or a couple of those big run games was because Daniel Jones is able to run the ball in those games. And even though he looked better in the game against Baltimore in terms of moving in the pocket, I'm still not sure they're at the point here. And I guess, look, this you're you're playing again to the playoffs, right? If you're going to do it, you know, throw caution to the wind now and do it. I'm not sure if we're to the point now where we're going to see like the read options and, and, and that sort of stuff get taken out of the bag, given he still has that hamstring and ankle. He ran one time for three yards against Baltimore. Now, I'm bringing up the Dallas game just out of curiosity since that was a while back. He had two runs for negative seven yards, so he wasn't really a factor on the ground in that game, but it was Devontae Freeman who had 60 yards and a touchdown. Wayne Goldman was the complimentary back at that point. So roles have changed since. So it's hard to take away so much with respect to what the Giants did against the Dallas defense. Because remember, as I mentioned, both of these teams change. But I think you do bring up a really good point. I think that what was synonymous with the winning streak was Daniel Jones having a big run, at least at some point. Remember, in each of the Philadelphia games, he had that big run. He had another big run against the Eagles, and he scored a touchdown on that one. It was the first game where he slipped up on the 80-yard run. And then you look at some of those other games, even look at the yardage per carry. I mean, I have the breakdown in front of me against Washington. They averaged 4.7 yards per carry. I'm talking about the second game. This is during the winning streak. Then against Philadelphia, it was 4.2. You know, whenever, to me, you get over four yards per carry, you'll take that. And then against Seattle, they averaged 6.1 yards per carry. The Cincinnati game was the only game where the yardage per carry wasn't great. However... They ran 42 times for 142 yards. So the volume was there. The yardage per carry wasn't. Well, and that's the thing, Lance. During the losing streak, they averaged 4.6 yards per carry against Arizona and 4.5 yards per carry against Baltimore. So it's not that they weren't gaining yards and they were running, but they just got into situations where you couldn't keep running the ball because you got behind, whether it's because you had to punt because of, you know, uh, not converting third downs, whatever the case might be in those games. But... It just it sometimes there isn't a, a direct correlation there. But to your point, Lance, and, and then I know we want to get back to the calls, just real quick, I know you agree with me. You're gonna have to score twenty seven points or twenty four at least to beat Dallas here, okay? The Giants have scored more than twenty four points twice this year. Once was against Dallas in week five, they scored thirty four. The other time was against Philadelphia in week ten when they scored twenty seven. You gotta get to twenty four points here. Time of possession's nice, but score points. By the way, Keep in mind, one of those scores in the Dallas game was a defensive touchdown by Kyler Fackrell. Ah, good point. So I'm not saying that, you know, listen, points are points, John, but technically the Giants offense was responsible for 27 against the Cowboys, not 34, is the way that at least I look at it. Yeah, and I'm looking here. I'm looking at the box score. I'm looking for drive charts. Here we go. Let's see if they give how they got the ball in that game against the Eagles. So against the Eagles in that game, they had two long drives for touchdowns. Not you know what? They got their three touchdowns all on long drives against Philadelphia. They did get um, one of their field goals off a turnover on downs, but they they were they, they they were not benefited from takeaways in their touchdowns against Philly um, in that game against them when they put up those twenty seven points. Also, by the way, since this is relevant to what we're talking about, I want to bring up another point because once again, this is why context is important, John. Right? We don't just throw out numbers; we provide a little bit more evidence to support those numbers. So I'm looking more and more at this Cowboys game. Number one, Kyler Fackrell had the forty six yard interception return. Okay, that put him up fourteen three. So that's twenty seven points now for the offense. Now remember. When Andy Dalton came in, he fumbled the snap. So the Giants took over. They went five plays, 17 yards. They basically got the ball in the red zone. Devontae Mm. Freeman ran it in. That accounted for another one of their touchdowns. So when you look back at this Dallas game, in terms of the Giants' drives, and Graham Gano kicked a lot of field goals in this game. They had one drive, seven plays, 75 yards, which was right at the beginning of the game. Evan Ingram ran it in from three yards out. That was it. Yeah, they only had two drives go for more than 50 yards in the game. Yeah. So, once again, 
these teams have changed. I'm not saying that we're going to take that game and we're going to duplicate it on Sunday. That's not my point. But when you start throwing out things, John, and I'm not blaming you, it's a valid point when you say, oh, well, the Giants only did this twice. Yeah, but even when they did it twice, when they scored a boatload of points, it was because of either a defensive touchdown or favorable field position, as opposed to they consistently march down the field and go 80, 90 yards and, oh, by the way, finish that off with a touchdown. That's a fair point. Absolutely a fair point. Nine seven three six six seven nineteen sixty. Cole, you're on the line. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, my name is Elliot from Puerto Rico. Hi, Elliot. How are you? What's on your mind? Thanks I'm for calling. I'm good. Uh, first time uh, caller, a long time listener. Great. Um, well, uh, we appreciate you listening down there, man. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. Well, uh, I will start with uh, thank you guys for everything that you do every day and to keep our sanity in check. <laughs> the, <laughs> thank you. The 2020 has been a, a crazy year. And happy holidays and a healthy 2021. You as well, sir. Thank Thank you. you. Um, I just want to to take uh, one of uh, your opinion, uh, something that is important to me and and for me is the perspective of the strength of schedule in the last three games for the Giants and for Dallas. We play Arizona, Cleveland, and Baltimore, and they play Cincinnati, the 49ers, and Philadelphia. So I think that I know that we lost our three games and they they won their last three games, but the strength of schedule of our schedule has been brutal. No, that's true. That's fair. It's, it's, it's um, teams that are, are in the playoffs or are in the hunt for the playoffs with their good uh, um, uh, winning record. So... Um, Elliot, in fairness, though, if I could just jump in here, I get your point. But if you then look at the Giants' four-game winning streak, then you could say, well, they beat Washington, Philly, Cincinnati. And, yes, Seattle was a very good team. I'm not trying to take anything away from that. But you could argue when the Giants were winning, it could have been also a product of who they were playing, which to me pretty much evens things out between both of these teams. I, I, I think I'll put it this way, and I think we can all agree on this. I think the Giants and Cowboys, in terms of quality of team and where they are in terms of how good they are this year, I think they're probably about the same. I mean, so I think it's just going to be a matter of whichever team plays the better brand of football on Sunday is probably going to win. I don't think there's much separating these two teams in terms of talent. Yeah, I think that that's my point, that, that if we look at the, the schedule of both teams and the times that they are winning or losing— it's almost the same. Yeah, so we agree. Uh, people talking about that Dallas is, you know, it's going to kill us or, or anything, I think it's, it's just nonsense. It's, it's, uh, uh, they have been playing good in the last three games because of the teams that they have been playing. So, well, No, I think that's fair. And, I think that's fair. You got anything else for us, Elliot? Well, uh, one last thing before I go. Um, I know I can disagree 99% of the time with the conspiracy theories about, with Charlie. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that the pills that they're giving him in the loony bin are not working. Just, just for you know. So uh, or they've been giving it to him and he just doesn't and, take and them forever. too. That's another way to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> take care, guys. All right, All right you, you too. too. Hell yeah, take it easy. Good to hear from you down there in Puerto Rico. We like getting our no, technically not international. It is a U.S. territory, but somewhat international. Um, getting a call in there from Puerto Rico. But, um, yeah, you know what, Les, that's the thing. And, and you look at these teams in the NFC East this year, it's not like I – mean, there's a reason the AFC North and the NFC West have a bunch of teams that have nine and ten wins. Yeah, because they went undefeated against the <laughs> NFC East They're all year. beating the <laughs> NFC East teams. Yeah. I mean, it isn't rocket science here, right? They're beating each other, and they're getting a couple other wins here or there, and that's kind of it. Uh, look, right now Dallas this year, Lance – they went 0-4 against the AFC North. I'm sorry, they went 1-3 against the AFC North and 1-3 against the NFC West. All right, guess what? what? The Giants, what did they do? They went 1-3 against the AFC North. They went 1-3 against the NFC West. I mean, that's just kind of how it's gone for these NFC East teams this year. It's why those two other divisions might see three playoff teams from each make it into the playoffs, and the NFC East is going to have a team win the division with six or seven wins. You're always a product of your schedule, and I think that that case is made based on what's happened with the NFC East and the other two divisions. That's also, by the way, on a quick side note, 
when I get tired of people saying, oh, well, if you had another team in another division that you put them in the NFC East, they would have won the division. Well, first of all, once again, the schedules are different. The schedules fluctuate. So you have to take into consideration how that team would then fare with a different schedule. It's not so simple where we just take a team with a better record, we put them in the NFC East and say, magically, they would have had nine wins or seven wins or whatever it may be. Because you know now you're also playing the NFC West and the AFC North. Maybe you didn't play those two divisions based on your schedule. You always have to take that into consideration. 973-667-1960. Back to the phones. Call. You're on the line. What's your name? Where you calling from? Keith from Cranford. Keith, what's up, buddy? I just wanted to tell you guys I appreciate all your insight into different things, and I appreciate listening to you all the time. And uh, now, uh, happy holidays and all that. No, thank you. Same you too, too, sir. And uh, But I, I still feel that the biggest difference that we've had lately is the mobility problem with uh, Daniel Jones. Um, if that, does, that adds so much more to our offense and what they, the defenses have to go against. Well, look, Keith, look, Keith I, I, I want to narrow it a little bit. When you say mobility, you mean his ability to run it as a runner, right? Not necessarily movement in the Not pocket, only right? run it as a runner, that's absolutely you got to have that, but at the same time, just trying to get out of the pocket and throw the ball, just just extending plays a little bit more, too. I mean, so I think it's a combination of both of those things, and I think it helps both the running game and it helps the passing game. Uh, so it, 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 I think it's a combination of those things that, that really makes a big difference. And uh, also, I think the defense has become a little bit too predictable in the way they set up different things. And they, they're not – I think they're just getting picked apart uh, by I, – I just feel that we're being a little more predictable than we should be. And we're not playing above the X's and O's, you know. We're just – the players aren't stepping up the way they should, and they're not uh, – doing enough of what they need to do. Well, Keith, I, I agree with you, and, and, and I, will, I will get on my predictability soapbox in a second after you hang up. But I think in terms of making plays, you're right, and this is something that Lance and I tried to make the point before. Look, against Baltimore, they had no tackles for loss, no sacks, no pass breakups. That means they've made basically zero impactful, almost zero impactful plays in the game on the football. So that's going to be tough to win games if your defense isn't coming away with, with some of those bigger plays. They didn't really sack Baker Mayfield. They didn't really sack Kyler Murray. The pass rush has been non-existent. And I think if you're not going to rush the passer well, I don't care what you do in the back end. It's going to be really hard for you to cover back there for a very long time. Well, especially if you're also within a zone Thank and you, they're finding the holes within that zone, which is what Baker Mayfield did. The other thing that I wanted to tack on to... What not to mention, were... by the way, Bradbury and Holmes injuries had a big... Part of sure. That too no that. doubt yeah. about it. Yeah, there's been changes in terms of the secondary. Now, granted, Bradbury was back for the Baltimore game. Holmes was active, but interestingly, did not play a snap. So maybe, you know, wasn't 100%. They had him for an emergency situation. We'll see what this Cowboys game brings to the forefront. That's something that's interesting to monitor. Yep. But above the X's it always plays, to me, if you look at Baltimore versus the Giants, that tells the whole tale there. Because look at what happened to the Baltimore game. Mark Andrews goes up. He makes a 20-yard grab when there's three Giants defenders in the vicinity. Quarterback throws the ball up. Guy goes up, makes a play. Charges towards the football. You know, those are the types of plays we're talking about. Gus Edwards, he gets a short pass. He then mows over at least three or four different Giants en route to a significant gain. You know, those are the types of plays which turn out to be, John, what we were talking about earlier, explosive plays. But it comes from not what your quarterback does. It doesn't come from hoping that Daniel Jones is going to run around in circles and then make something happen. It comes from a player making a five-yard catch, forcing a missed tackle getting yardage after the initial contact, and then all of a sudden turning what could have been a four-yard gain into a 10-yard gain or a 15-yard gain, and now you're moving the chains and you get a first down. Those are the types of plays, too, I would argue, John, that have been missing for the Giants compared to what we've seen out of their opponents this season. Yeah, and Lance, to your point, they allowed a couple of those big plays against Baltimore because they missed a couple of tackles. Isaac Yadam had two big missed tackles on that second, I think, Ravens touchdown drive, or was it their field goal drive in the first? I don't remember. One of those two. But you got to make those plays, and, and the Giants have not been making those big plays. I mean, just for example, you know, the Giants were 0 of 8 on passes that traveled 20 or more yards in the air, something like that. 
And Darius Slayton had a ball over his outside shoulder, hit him right in the hands, and he didn't make the catch. Yeah. You know, these are the types of plays, if you're struggling offensively, you have to make. But I do agree. I think Daniel Jones's running component in the run game has reduced the number of explosive plays as offense has had. I think that's a big part of it. But I, I don't want to hear about this predictability stuff, Lance. I'll, I know I'm a broken record, but I'll say it again. How many offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators for the Giants have been predictable in the 10 years we've been doing shows here? Every single year. Every every single every one Every single play and every <laughs> single game in every single season. Does that sum it up for you, John? Is I that the answer? Yes. Okay. I, I, yes. I do not want to hear about how predictable it is, okay? You know, the Giants have done a great job of keeping opponents guessing in their zone defenses and keeping opponents guessing um, with what they're going to be in post-snap. But here's the trick, and we talked about this, Lance. If you're making a quarterback take that extra second to figure out where to throw the ball because he's trying to figure out what defense you're in, right, that gives your pass rush a chance to get home. Well, what happens when your pass rush doesn't get home? He just takes that extra second, makes the adjustment, and completes a pass. <laughs> you know what he I'm saying? He has more time, yeah. Right. So the whole key is to disguise, to make the quarterback hesitate for a second or two to figure out what's going on. Well, if your pass rush isn't taking advantage of that extra second or two, it doesn't matter. And the Giants' pass rush, quite frankly, has been non-existent the last three weeks, Lance. How many sacks did the Giants have in the last three games? Do you have that in front of you? Well, they had no sacks in the last game, which ended a streak of 18 straight games, by the way. Here, I have the Giants it. had at least one. Let me see. Defensive so they've had game two wrong. sacks in the last three games. Yeah, right? I mean, how are you supposed to win that way? How are you supposed to win that way? And then you look at the winning streak, by the way. Well, they had 12 sacks yeah. during those four games. Right. Just look at the they had two against Washington, three against Philly, two against Cincinnati, and five against Seattle. Yep. In fact, how about this, Lance? The first 13 games of the season, the Giants had at least two sacks in every single game. In their last three games, they haven't had two sacks once. It's a difference. Yeah, huge difference. That's why, what are the things we're bringing up? We're bringing up the change in takeaways, right? We're bringing up the change in sacks. We're bringing up the change in volume of runs. Those are the three factors that we've brought up over the course of this program, John. It's no coincidence that during the four-game winning streak, all of those numbers looked good and put the Giants in a position to stay competitive and win. In the three games since, all those numbers have dipped immensely. And what have they led to? They've led to losses. Statistics alone don't tell the whole story. Okay, I get that. But those are three big indicators which is not coincidental as to why all of a sudden the scores have not gone in favor of the Giants. Nine seven three six six seven nineteen sixty. Cole, you're on the line. What's your name and where are you calling from? It's Charlie from Portland, Maine. Hi, hey, Chuckles. I have to, hey, guys, I have to shout out to Puerto Rico. They agree with me at least 1% of the time. That's higher than the rest. <laughs> Congratulations. So, That's yes. higher than the rest. Yes, you are correct, Charlie. So thank you, Puerto Rico. Thank you, Puerto uh, Rico. <laughs> hey, um... You know, the thing is, is hey, I have a question. It, now, Frackle, is he going to be back this week? Because I know he they took him off the IR. Uh, we don't know yet, Charlie. They haven't practiced yeah. yet, so 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 we don't have a good feel for that yet. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, they could certainly use him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he will definitely help. Since I mean, how are you going to get a pass rush when you have Coughlin and you have Cam Brown? You know, it's it, or you have Mayo on setting the edge, or it's not going to happen. So. We haven't had the personnel to be able to do this. I mean, we barely had the personnel when we had Carter and X-Man and, you know, all these no, other it's people. That's a good point. And, it's a good point. You know, so <laughs> it's been bad. But the thing is, is, you know, we're playing better teams. And when we play better teams, our statistics are going to go down the toilet because we're playing better teams. When we're playing Cincinnati and Washington, and, you know, we look pretty good. So at least we're playing a team in our in our category, right? Yeah. I mean, Dallas is, you know, in the same boat as we are. So, always, you know, somehow we have we have to score points, and either you know Garrett's got to open up this offense. But again, if we can run the ball, you know, which we should be able to do against Dallas, and our defense should be so upset from this last game they played that we should be they, they should come out on fire. And we have to come out on fire in that first quarter and not fall asleep. You know, 
how many years it's been we've been saying we got to start fast and we always like look like we're sleeping in the first quarter. It's just unbelievable. Well, I don't this think week, there's a team in the NFL that ever goes into a game saying, nah, you know what, we could start in the second quarter, Charlie. You know, I, I, know, I mean, I love it how you apply it only to the Giants. Yeah, the Giants are the only team that is desperately getting on their well, hands and knees hoping for a fast start. Well, when you do it for five or six years in a row, I think maybe that's your point. Well, Charlie, here, Charlie, here, here's the thing, and, and, and this is the funny thing. Yeah. In the end, the first quarter is no different than the second or third quarter. If you're a good team in the second and third quarter, you're probably going to be a good team in the first quarter too. Have the Giants been a good team in any quarter very often the last seven or eight years? No, they haven't. So they're probably not going to be a good team in the first quarter either. Yeah, but, you know, there's teams like Kansas City. I know we're talking about Kansas well, City. Yes, but they'll Patrick go, Mahomes! They'll, they'll go down like 20 points in the first half, and they'll still win the game. Well, Look but the Giants Pittsburgh. aren't able to do that, Charlie. That's, yeah. that's the difference. So that's the telling thing. Why can't we? Well, we're supposed they don't to have, have the, our they don't franchise have the ex- quarterback. We're supposed to have Mr. Quarterback, and we're supposed to have fixed this offensive line. Then why isn't it happening? Well, Charlie. Because, well, well, Charlie. First off, I don't like now. Somebody else on this show might disagree with me. Not the hosting right now, but on a different program. <laughs> I, I'm not. I don't think we know yet that they fixed the offensive line. Yeah, I know. Tell me about it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and for Daniel Jones to have some pocket awareness, he's got to understand this offensive line isn't very good. So I got to get the ball out of here like now, or I got to run and roll out. And maybe because of his ankle and his hamstring he hasn't been able to do that but he's got to be mobile he's got to wake up and go you know this offensive line isn't very good now Charlie, so I, Charlie, I, Charlie I, I want to put a little annotation on that I do think the offensive sure. line has significantly improved from the last couple years as run blockers I do think right. the run blocking is a lot better this year but I don't think they've taken that same jump in terms of pass pro in fairness yeah and you I also agree. have to be I careful agree. when you talk about, well, Daniel Jones needs to make those plays. That's when he's gotten in trouble, too, Charlie, where he tries too. to put on the cape yeah. and he tries to go above and beyond what the offense calls for, and it leads to turnovers. So you got to walk that fine line. you got to be careful what you wish for under those circumstances. Yeah, well, at this game, you can as well go all out. Well, right? you have to now, right? I mean, you don't yeah. have much of a choice. Right? You know, just go all out. So we'll see what happens. Hey, guys, uh, have a good uh, day, and I'll talk to you guys soon. You too, Charlie. Thank you. All right, Charlie. That might have been one of the best Charlie calls that we've gotten in a long time, Lance. I'm not going to lie. Well, I mean, we say that every five or six weeks, and then all of a sudden it goes back to the (laughs) deep end. So forgive me for not uh, getting overly excited, John, in terms of your analysis. You know, (laughs) a lot of the calls like to talk about how how, people get motivated by things. I think Charlie was motivated by the love from Puerto Rico. Well, if you consider that love, I guess, you know what, for Charlie's standards, that is love. You know, when somebody says they may agree with you 1% of the time, yes, I I guess it's all, you know, important to look at it through that lens. Well, the other thing I thought you were going to bring up was I sort of chuckled when he said that the defense is going to be motivated after their performance. (laughs) I just hold on, hold on a minute, John. Are you going to tell me the defense wasn't motivated after the Cardinals' performance? Dude, how about about when they let Baker Mayfield almost have like a perfect quarterback? That didn't serve his motivation (laughs) enough either. So, so it took three straight losses. Now all of a sudden, the defense is going to be ultra motivated. I love this mental game that we play every week. Where okay, this is the game that's going to put them over the tipping point. No, 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 no. It's going to be two weeks from now, John. They're finally going to find things. Come on. I mean, seriously. That's why, you know, the one person that I actually like listening to every week is Logan Ryan. Because Logan Ryan fields these questions, John. Joe Judge, too, by the the way. Joe Judge has the same way, too. Yeah, but he always gets the mental, you know, how's the team feeling? What's the mindset? Are you worried about? And, and he always then sort of like peels the layers back. And he sounds like a philosopher. That's why I find it interesting. He sort of sheds lights on the fact that, guys, we're adults, okay? We're not taking <laughs> off the baby bib, okay? We don't need our coach to feed us, you know, with the little spoon and the Gerber, you know, chow. I mean, come on. It's almost like we need Logan Ryan every week to provide some knowledge and shed some light on things that are pretty much obvious, but for some reason, the narratives always go back to the extreme. Just comical. Hey, Giant fans, got a New York Giants checking account from Investors Bank with the Giants brand the debit card, security features, and discounts at the Giants online shop. You can earn up to $250 when you open an account at InvestorsBank.com slash Giants, member FDIC. And actually, Joe Judge, and I apologize for interrupting you, but I think, you know, he got that same question. I think it was the first question of his postgame presser on Sunday, if I recall. He was asked, oh, did your team not come out with enough energy in the first quarter? Yeah. It was the same type of thing, right? And he goes, guys. 
we were plenty energized. We were ready to go. We had passion. We had energy. We just didn't execute well enough. And I think it, it's I, – I always try to figure out the, the mentality of fans. And I think this is kind of what I've landed on over the years in, in observing Giant fans and Nick fans and Yankee fans and all these other fans that we keep track of here in the tri-state area. Everyone tries to figure out the easy solution because the difficult solution is one that can't get solved right away, right? It's easy to say, oh, they just have to come out more ready to go with more energy. Oh, they need more motivation. Oh, if you just change the play caller, the whole offense gets better. Oh, if you just change the head coach, it'll change the whole culture. <laughs> oh, if you get rid of the quarterback, that's going to solve all the problems. So they look, they try to find that one silver bullet where if you change the one thing, it changes the whole program, when in the end, it's usually a series of complicated factors that takes time to fix and change, whether it's young players getting better, adding better, better players to the roster, or any other millions of different things that kind of takes time and is not an easy solution. The fans don't like those because then you have to admit that, oh boy, this could be a, a long-term situation here, which they don't want to go through. So it's always trying to find that kind of silver bullet solution that's going to change everything if you change that one thing. But 99% of the time, that's not what we're dealing with here. Yeah, I think that's well said. I would sum it up by saying it's people just trying to rationalize a loss yeah, in a simplistic too. way. That's how I would pretty much summarize. Whereas, as you said, you know, there's a lot of layers to this. And it's not just flip the switch and then everything goes away. And it's more often than not, not the mental side of things. You know, we, we tend to put players and athletes, and I know I've said this a lot, on these pedestals where they're above and beyond. They have superhuman powers, and they don't necessarily deal with the issues or distractions that the rest of us do in our daily lives. And no, they're not different from that standpoint, but they're also adults, okay? So, you know, they can separate, for the lack of a better phrase, church and state. You know, they can go out, they could play a football game, even when maybe they're dealing with some personal issues. They could also bounce back and have a short memory after they have a bad game. And it doesn't necessarily stick with them for 17 weeks or whatever it may be. And by the way, Lance, sometimes you just show up and you don't play well. I mean, sure. how many times did, did like we show up to like one of our rec league basketball games? You feel great in warm-ups, you're hitting everything. Then you get into the game and you shoot one of nine. Well, you know what? Sometimes you just show up and you don't play well. It happens. You miss a tackle. It doesn't mean that you're not mentally into it or this or that. Sometimes guys just show up and you don't do your best. I mean, everyone, when you go do your job every day, are you your best 100% every day you show up to work? Or do you never make a mistake? And when you make a mistake, is it some like profound issue that forces you to make the mistake? That's life. That's just kind of the way things go. Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by the New York Lottery. I'm behind on spots here, guys. Sorry. The New York Lottery has released their <laughs> seasonal scratch-off games once again. Head to your nearest retailer for the chance to win up to $500,000. Please gift responsibly. Back to the calls in 973-667-1960. Call, you're on the line. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, it's Rick in Tampa. Rick, How what's up, man? Doing? How's the I washer dryer doing? Here. Are I they good? Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. The running gag. Yeah, yes, I, fine, every right? time. I know. I'm sorry. Go ahead. 75 and sunny. Everything's beautiful. Uh, we, hey, uh, we hate you. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> listen, let me make my real quick points. I know we're running close to the end of time here. Yes. But uh, listen, I, I, I'm getting closer to the end here. More frustration and upset over how this giant season ending. Now, the first the positive thing here is that, yes, Washington is, is messed up. Will Philadelphia come out? against their rival and say with their new quarterback and say we're going to take care of Washington, yes, that can happen. Giants against the Cowboys. Could we have that Seattle uh, uh, memory, a memory and play great on defense and beat the Cowboys? It could happen, and the Giants hey, could salvage the season as a, uh, a playoff team. But what I have a feeling, and an unfortunate Joe Judge's tenure first year is going to go down like every other Giants coach is that they're going to get blown out by the Dallas Cowboys, just like we started our seasons off for the last seven years where we get blown out by the Cowboys. It's going to come down to the same thing where we're going to get blown out by the Cowboys, and that is, I really feel, which is, which is too bad, is the way the Giants' season is going to end because I don't think we could stop them. And listen, uh, uh, what's his name, the Red Rider? He's a good quarterback. I mean, yeah, Andy and Dalton's a veteran. He's a good He's a good veteran quarterback, and so I'm um, hopefully that won't be the case. 
But that's where my thoughts are, and it's unfortunate because Joe Judge is going to fall by the wayside, and, and, and just for this year, of the same uh, befalling of the rest of our Giants coaches in the past five years, six years, losing to the Cowboys uh, by a big score. So what do you think? Do you think that's going to be the case, or do you think my first scenario could be the more true one. I don't know. More Dallas, different. they don't really blow people out. Now, they, they did beat Cincinnati 30-7, to and they and they did beat yeah, Philly 30-40 points. They blow the Giants out. Yeah, they, you're right, and I think you're worried. Look, here's the bottom line, Rick, and Lance and I said this before, and, and I hate to be repetitive, but the Giants have got to score 24 points in this game, okay? Uh, if they come out and they score 13 points in this game, your scenario is very possible. That could happen. And if they don't protect the ball and, you know, whatever, go down the list. It's possible. I like to think, given the quality, you know, of, of the competition, you know, Dallas has the same number of wins as the Giants do, okay? So if we get to the situation here, the Giants should be able to play this Dallas team pretty evenly. I said this earlier in the show. There's no reason why the Giants can't win or be in this game in the fourth quarter if they play reasonably well. So I expect them to do that. I think this coaching staff, like they have all year, will have this team prepared. They'll have a good plan for them. And it'll be up to the players to execute that plan on the field. And we'll see if they're able to execute mm-hmm. better than they had the last three weeks against some better teams. I think the biggest okay. issue for the Thank Giants you, is can they limit the explosive plays by the Cowboys? I mean, that's what stood out to me in recent games is the fact that the Cowboys have been able to make some big plays through the air because they're receiving cores. So you look at the Baltimore game, you look at Arizona to a certain degree. These teams have had some explosive plays. Cleveland, too. If they can limit that, you know, that's where a game is not going to get out of hand. But that depends on which unit shows up for the Giants because Dallas has been up and down, but they're capable of putting up explosive plays like the three previous opponents that the Giants have faced. The New York Giants and Quest Diagnostics want our fans to come back stronger than ever. Now you can order your own lab test through Quest Direct to get the health answers you need most. Lance, final thoughts, and he mentioned Washington and Philadelphia on Sunday night. And we should actually talk about that game because we know now that that is an important game for the Giants to make the playoffs. Yes, they have to take care of their own business, but it won't matter if Washington beats Philadelphia. And to me, I will summarize this game with two words. Alex Smith. Does he play? And if he plays, I think you have to like Washington chances, given their defense. I think Jalen Hurts is going to have all sorts of issues against what's a very good Washington defense. But if Alex Smith doesn't play, to me, all bets are off. And I think it's a coin flip game at best. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think if Alex Smith is able to suit up, it completely changes the outlook of that team. It's no coincidence, by the way, they've lost their last two games. Alex Smith was nowhere to be found. Also, what didn't help is Terry McLaurin didn't play against Carolina either. Yeah. So I would throw him into the equation too, John. I supposedly have heard that he's dealing with a high ankle sprain. Normally, that's a multi-week injury, but given the circumstances, I wouldn't be surprised if he does everything in his power to get back on the field. Those two guys back in the lineup... With the way their defense is played, remember, Carolina scored 13 points, John, because one of it was a punt that was muffed by Steven Sims Jr. that they rolled on in the end zone. So more often than not, your defense holds the opposition to 13 points. You have Alex Smith as your quarterback who does a good job protecting the ball. You're going to put yourself in a very strong position to win that game. Taylor Heineke would start in his place. He was much better than Dwayne Haskins, but that's not necessarily saying an awful lot. bar. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, all things are important when it comes to perspective. But yeah, the million dollar question is, does Alex Smith play? I know Ron Rivera, when he spoke to the media the other day, the word is optimistic. Then again, he was optimistic last week, too. And then it didn't necessarily come to fruition. However, I will say this. I said this when the schedule came out, John. I wonder whether it's a blessing in disguise that the Washington game got flexed to primetime because now you're really giving Alex Smith essentially an entire extra day to recover, and that could be the difference in terms of allowing him to get out there and playing against the Eagles. No, you're right. I think it'll be really interesting to see, but that that Washington defense is real. Tremendous. If they they get one or two more guys in the back half of that defense, you could be looking at one of the best defenses in the league for a while if they can – you know, re-sign all those guys they have up front on that defensive line. They are a very, very, very good football team. Big Blue Kickoff 5 is presented by the New York Lottery. The New York Lottery has released their seasonal scratch-off games. Once again, head to your nearest retailer for the chance to win up to $500,000. Please gift responsibly. So, Lance, I guess final thoughts here. We have two more weeks, days of shows this week. We have no show on Friday, everybody, just FYI. Uh, it'll be, I believe, you and Detino on 
Thursday last this week? Tomorrow. You and Dettino yeah. tomorrow. And then it'll be um, – actually, I think it's you and Fiegel's tomorrow, right? And then it is Fiegel's you and Fiegel's tomorrow. Hey, I'm yes. right for once. I stand corrected. That? You know what? I got used to uh, being thrown in the mix with Paul. So yes. it'll be refreshing to be with Jeff. Yes, yes I'm sure it will be. <laughs> you, will have, you, will have, you will have Jeff tomorrow, and then I will have Dettino on Thursday. and then My we'll, thoughts and prayers are with you. Yes. We'll, we will have Phil Sims in the Sims spotlight for the final time this year. So that should be a lot of fun. Get Phil's take on the final game. Of the season. So, Lance, just, you know, give me your thoughts right now in terms of where we stand with the Giants heading into this final week. Well, this to me is how I've always looked at it, John. We could sit here and we could speculate about the Washington-Philly game. We could talk about the scenarios and the fact that the Giants are mathematically in it. It's real simple. They have to take care of business before we start having dreams of grandeur and looking too ahead. They have to find a way to win a game and get the point total well over 20. They do that, then I think part B of the conversation comes into play in terms of focusing on what transpires with Washington, and then perhaps if they're fortunate enough to get into the playoffs, how they can match up with an opponent. But right now, the Giants have to handle their own business, and I've been viewing it like that for the last few weeks, and nothing changes just because they're mathematically alive. What can they do and go out against the Cowboys on Sunday? They handle their business. That then changes the outlook for the team. If it's a continuation of what's transpired in the last three games, we really have nothing more to talk about. I'm with you. Lance, good stuff. We'll see you tomorrow with Eagles at noon. You got it. Big Blue Kickoff Live is part of the Giants Podcast Network, which is presented by Investors Bank. You can find the archive of this show and all of our other podcasts, Giants Rewind and the Giants Huddle, on Giants.com slash podcast on the Giants mobile app, and on all your favorite podcast platforms. If you're on Apple Podcasts and like what you hear, please leave a five-star positive review, and that will help us out an awful lot. For Lance Meadow, I'm John Schmelk. We'll see you next time, everybody. Stay safe. We'll see you tomorrow at noon.